The gospel reading this morning is from St. Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. Glory to you, O Christ. St. Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34, found on page 1558 of your Bible. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know why. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke and the word spoke the word to them and as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I, uh, I came across a, a funny little story that uh, reminded me of someone in my life. And it was about a boy in class, and the teacher was uh, teaching on science. And as they were going through different aspects of things that we now know to be true, for example, gravity or how electricity works, the question that the teacher said, or rather asked the class is, where would humanity be were humans not curious? And this little boy in the back raises his hand and he's called on and he says, in the Garden of Eden? Curiosity is uh, a form of, uh, it's what we all have growing up, especially little ones are curious. And, and they look to their father and their mothers for answers. Do you remember that? With your own kids, maybe grandkids or great-grandkids. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? After a while, you're going, <laughs> right? Or ask your mother. What's that? And 
the interesting thing about that is that uh, for me personally, it was a model of the Heavenly Father, of His patience and His love. I said earlier to some of you, uh, after being greeted with Happy Father's Day, um, not being a smart aleck, but really every day is Father's Day, our Father's Day. And every day is Mother's Day. You're, as women, mothers to those that are around you and especially those that you bore. Every day is Father's Day to you gentlemen. Whether the people you come alongside are your biological children or not. We have a role to play. And I'm starting to see how it expands outside of myself. That I come along people as a father might to encourage them to coach them. You need a father. I need a father. How else will you and I know and how else will you and I grow? Take you back to when I was 16 years old and one month. September, uh, somewhere around the 15th in 1986, I had the opportunity to have a, a lifelong friend, and he's still my friend, come and visit after he had moved to Colorado, to, and his parents had some business in uh, the Bay Area. And so my friend John and I had the opportunity to go fill up my parents' car with gas and then come home for dinner. And so um, I'd had my license for a whole month. And so um, John and I take off quite slowly down Reimer Drive in Moraga, California until we get around the corner and find out what a 1978 Chevy Impala with a very large 354 barrel carburetor on it will do. And it, it goes. And we got to the to the gas station just three miles away from our house and much faster rate than we should have. We come home on the way home. I said, hey, let's go see your house. And uh, I make the turn that I'd made on my Schwinn bicycle many times, and I come up the hill, and, well, I kind of missed that turn, and I tried for it anyways, and I ended up taking my father's car uh, kind of across the street, and I pulled the bumper off of my car, off of my dad's car, uh, with a parked car on one side, and I was so scared that I overcorrected, and I floored it, and in Moraga, it's a very hilly area, and so I am careening towards a house where a woman is doing dishes in her um, Spanish-styled house with a courtyard and all that, and I can see her vividly. It's going in slow motion, and instead of hitting the brakes, I hit the gas, and um, I turn a little bit more, and I actually hit the curb and launch, and uh, we were airborne. We hit a uh, 1972, I know all these cars, Ford Galaxy 400, bought and paid for been in the family for years, and I hit it with the bumper of my father's car at about the pass or driver's side window. And it pushes into the house, into the garage. And it knocks out um, the main beam that's a glue lamb above the garage door, tilts it like this, and the house does this. 
Now, <clears throat> I was raised by a loving mother and father, taught to tell the truth. But this seemed like one of those instances where I needed to get the heck out of there. So, of course, the only thing I hear is steam coming out and all of this. And the next thing I know, the largest man that I've ever seen makes Bill Tubiola look like a midget, comes out in his jammies and his house coat and his slippers and grabs me by the scruff of the neck and says, you have totaled my car. I said, the accelerator's st stuck. <laughs> Why? He goes, oh my gosh, look at my house. You have totaled my house. And we go inside. It gets worse. There was a brand new Cadillac Eldorado in the parking, in the, in the garage, and it went into the wall and happened to bump him while he was reading his San Francisco Chronicle, relaxing after dinner. Yeah, Gary, huh? So uh, he says, I'm calling the police. I said, i got to call my dad. And his wife says, um, Richard, let, him, let the boy call his dad. And so I call my dad. 376-5883. And I'll tell you, that thing took forever to dial, right, <laughs> on the rotary. And uh, my dad answers the phone, his jovial, hello. I go, hey, Dad, it's Ken. He goes, hey, Pook. How are you doing? And I go, well, Dad, uh, not so hot. Well, what happened? I said, well, I had an accident. He goes, are you okay? First thing, are you okay? Yes, sir. Is John okay? Yes, sir. He goes, all right, where did it happen? I go, well, just around the corner. <laughs> and he goes, I'll be there in a minute. And he says, have you been drinking? I said, no, 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 no. He goes, all right, don't say a word and I'll come. So he comes and he sees this mess and he takes care of it. Now, here's the point. Um, maybe some of you, uh, well, probably none of you have a child that's ever done something like that. <laughs> but um, I thought my life was over, and for good reason, you know, really good reason. I thought that my father, as much as he loved me, I don't know how he was going to get past this. I mean, I hit one, two cars on the street, and a third one in a garage, and I hit a house, and those are elusive critters, let me tell you. I mean, how do you get past that? Is there, is, I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking grace. I was thinking, I'm going to military school <laughs> or juvie. My dad saw me, and he came up to me, and he said some little explicit, explicit phrase under his breath, and he says, come here. And he wrapped his arms around me. And he says, we'll get through this. Grace of the Father. Now, apparently, this behavior skips a generation. <laughs> My point is, is that, um, and I found this out in preaching, that not everybody has an earthly father like I did. I was blessed. I really was. And so, therefore, um, the idea that there's a heavenly father that loves us was not lost on me. I'm like, yeah, it's like my dad. And you heard me say that, Abba, Father, Daddy. Some people think that's disrespectful. I think it's, it's, it's love. My father um, stood through me through a whole lot of other things down the road too. He never gave up on me. 
he um, had scattered seed, as it were, as we read today. But uh, he and my mother handed me over to the Lord early on. And this was what my father would do when he'd see me and he'd just go. <laughs> and were he here today and he were to see me uh, as pastor, he'd just go, amen. He'd say, amen. We need fathers or else, how else would we know what to do? We need a father. How else would we grow? And for those that don't have an earthly father that was like my dad or Ward Cleaver or however it is, the beautiful thing is, is that we have a, a loving heavenly father that sent his son. My dad, you know, could have just sent me and everyone would be darn right, get rid of him. He sent his son, his very best, without sin, to come into this world, as we know in John uh, in, in, 316, we, we, we know that he so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the best part, and we should read this before we read the first part, uh, uh, verse 17, for uh, he did not come to judge the world, but to rescue it. To rescue it. So we know the Father through the Son, and we see the Son teaching in parables, and I'm really grateful my dad didn't teach me in parables because I would have been like Thomas and I would have said, yeah, no, I don't get it, Dad. But he taught me. He let me uh, do hands-on things. He, he was like a, like a mentor, if you will, a coach, and, a, and, and, and I was his apprentice. And I can remember times being in the garage and he had great tools and that was the, one of the best things. And he would work from behind me with my hands like this. I could feel him. I could hear him. I could smell him. It was my dad was teaching me. And don't you know that that's what our Heavenly Father does with us? That's what our Heavenly Father did with Jesus. That's what we have the opportunity to be as apprentice of Jesus Christ. And we have that deposit, God in us, the Holy Spirit coaching us, encouraging us. We have his instruction book, if you will, the Bible that leading us in the way that we ought to go. And it's, it's not mysterious. And he does break it down to the most simple forms. Love God and love your neighbor. Jesus is a coach. Jesus is a friend, and a mentor. And as I said for Bill Tubiola's memorial yesterday, Jesus is our Goomba. Now Goomba in Italian means he's my buddy, he's my friend, he's my counselor, he's my, my wingman, he has my back, he has my front, he has everything for that. He is my teacher. Another thing that I'm discovering, I'm not young anymore, but I'm not quite old. But as I walk along this, in this pilgrimage with you and with others in this crowded world, I see that uh, I'm being repurposed as I come along. I'm no longer Kenny Whitney. I'm, I'm Pastor Ken or Dad or 
Honey. Hubster. My roles change. And your roles have changed too. And men and women out there, there's a lot of people that didn't have parents like maybe I had and maybe you had. But if you listen to the apprentice, if you listen to God in you, the Holy Spirit, he's saying, I got a purpose for you. Yeah, but I'm, I'm 89 years old. Sorry, I'll be in so much trouble now, Jerry, but you don't look. I mean, oh, maybe 39, but you know. But, but you have a purpose. All of you have a purpose, and I, and I see you share it, and I see you spread your love and, and come alongside people. Even those people. Let's talk a little bit about our brothers and sisters in Victory Outreach. You've been repurposed when you come and you play games with these kids. And you listen to them. And they listen to you. I, I, I pray God sends us more young people. Sends us just more people that come in here seeking family. A safe place. Because the road that you have been on, the university of life that you have all been through is important. It is, it matters. And it has equipped you to be the person that you are today. And I pray that through the prompting of the Holy Spirit that you would share that. I pray through God's uh, uh, provision that he would send people that need to hear what you have to say, or maybe just to have you listen to what they say. Jesus listened. Jesus understood. Jesus prepped his disciples because it's going to get rough. He knew where he was going. He even told them. They still didn't get it. But he was like the good father in that he wanted his children to be prepared for what was coming. And what was coming was, well, the fulfillment of the prophecy, the fulfillment of the law, and the end of death. Yesterday, the celebration for Bill Tubi, Tubiola was beautiful. Why? Because Bill's family, Jan and Bill, know exactly where Bill is right now. Because they dug into the word, because they heard the gospel, they believed in the promise, they have the Holy Spirit in them, and they trust in it. So yes, there were tears because we're going to miss that man and his stories and his quick laugh and we're going to miss the person of Bill. But Bill's okay. And you are too. And I am too. Because what Christ did on that cross for us, his perfect death, you've heard me say it before, he worked that work perfectly on the cross. Therefore, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ. 
Now, I have to share something, too, that's very intimate. While Bill was passing away, and every time that I have been with somebody that has gone through this tender time into leaving this tent that is worn out with holes, terror comes. Satan and his demons do not let up. So our purpose, our job, my job, my purpose is to remind you and for you to remind others that Jesus conquered death once and for all. And that, yes, the demons may come, the tough times may come, your kid may crash your car into a house, But Jesus said it is finished, and there is great comfort in that. We prayed with Bill when the, when the demons were coming. He said, oh, the demons, they just won't leave me alone. The demons are here. They're, they just won't leave me alone. And we held his hand, and we prayed with him, and we, we told him about his baptism again, that he died a death like Christ, and he rose in a resurrection like Christ. Yesterday we talked about in my father's, uh, there are many mansions, and I go there to prepare one for you. We reminded him of that. And not because of me and not because of anyone else, but because God is true to his word and is a good father. Bill was delivered from the terrors of that. And then he went on to say, oh, I think, I think I, my mom, he says, uh, she's going to be so happy. But before that, before he went into his coma, he says, you know what? When I get up there, I think I'm going to hide from my mom for a little bit. She, she might still be mad at me. But so glad. So this fear turned to joy. And that promise is to you and to me from a loving father. Happy Father's Day in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.